Hi, this is Magdalena Fshalaki, and today we'll be mapping fibrocystic breast on a 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with my friend Magdalena Jalaki. Magdalena Jalaki is the founder of Hormones Balance Community and Walena Products, supplements made by women for women. Her online platform and products are dedicated to helping women to balance hormones naturally. A published author of Cooking for Hormone Balance and Overcoming Estrogen Dominance, Magdalena is an endocrine nutrition expert, certified herbalist, speaker, educator, and a published author with a long history of her own hormonal challenges. These challenges include Graves and Hashimoto's disease, autoimmune conditions causing thyroid issues, and estrogen dominance. Today, she is in full remission, and while sailing through perimenopause, she teaches women how to accomplish the same. Magdalena, welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix. Andrea, I missed you so much. I know I miss you too. And I'm so glad we get to talk about breasts and particularly fibrocystic breasts because this is something that I struggled with and it's so common and it's not very well understood. And I'm wondering, Magdalena, can you just share what fibrocystic breasts are? Yeah, sure. So it can come in a variety of different forms. One is the lymphatic system is very rich in the breast, right? And so engorgement of that area, engorgement of the lymphatic system within the breast and the stagnation of the lymphatic system can cause a lot of swelling and pain. But we can also find that the breast not necessarily have to be engorged and painful, but you certainly find a lump. Most of them are very benign lumps. And so, you know, those are the two main things that women struggle with. It's really the engorgement, whole breast swelling, or a specific lump. And a lot of times it's on both sides of the breast. And that's one of the most scary moments for women, right? To find, you know, whether it's one or two, you ask Dr. Google, and the next thing you're convinced is, you know, it's something more serious. And, you know, and with that comes with the whole emotional baggage of deciding of what kind of diagnostic tool we're going to use and, who are we going to, you know, listen to and what's the best mode of action and, you know, the wait time and, and all of that. And so this is something that I really don't wish on any woman to find in same as you. I don't know about you, but I remember my first breast lump, finding my first breast lump like it was yesterday. And there are times in our lives that, you know, we all remember like where we were when 9-11 happened or when Princess Diana died. You know? Right, right. And, and I think when you find your first breast lump, it's the same thing. It's like that moment of time, the horror, the pain of it, right? The confusion. And so super common, like you said, to a point where doctors are now considering not even that condition. It's just been so normalized. I have a challenge with that because 
just because something is so common, it does not make it normal by any chance. Right. There's so much we could do and start to realize that it's a sign or a symptom of something else. And for me, Magdalena, I probably have told you these stories. I mean, Gilbert, who's now in his early 20s, when he was little, he would hug me and it would hurt. I had so much tenderness and pain in my breasts. And it was that thickening and firmness in addition to the lumpiness that would then lead me to be like a biopsy pincushion, right? Like I just felt like every time I got my breasts examined, it was then a next step and a next step. And I would get so worried about them because they were so painful. I had a group of friends who were naturopaths and we'd get together every week for dinner with the families. And I would almost once a month make them go into the back room with me and give me a breast exam because I was so panicked because of the pain I was experiencing, which I understand in hindsight, (laughs) but I did not understand the hormonal fluctuations and the inflammation that I was experiencing at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. The great thing about breast health is that a lot of the things we're talking about today is completely manageable, right? And it does not have to be fear-causing. It does not have to be debilitating. It does not have to, you know, lead to something bigger because I feel like most lumps are not going to develop into cancer. However, it's your body's way of saying something isn't right. I need help here. You know, the major causes behind breast issues and specifically fibrocystic breasts and benign lumps is estrogen dominance, lymphatic stagnation, and inflammation, right? Those three major causes. And they are highly correlated with each other. You know, when we have estrogen dominance for many years and breast can manifest that as just one of the, you know, body parts, when that goes unaddressed, it can develop into something more serious. It doesn't have to be breast cancer, but it can be other hormonal cancers such as uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, thyroid cancer, lung cancer, in non-smokers, all, you know, fueled by hormones, by estrogen. And just want to clarify, this is by, let's just call it dirty estrogen, the estrogen that is not properly metabolized. So I don't want to demonize estrogen here because estrogen is wonderful. We need them as as women, right? It's just the dirty estrogen that is a problem here. So, you know, it's something that is very easily manageable. Lymphatic stagnation is, like I mentioned, we have so much of lymphatic nodes in our breast and passages. And the best way to think about that is that it's like the evacuation routes for trucks, garbage trucks to evacuate a lot of the junk from the breast, right? You know, especially for women, for example, who had a lot of problems as a kid with their tonsils removed. That's your lymphatic, you know, stagnation as well. And a lot of times later in life that gets turned into having a lot of breast issues. Inflammation, they're so multidimensional, right? Whether it's because of a lifestyle choices and diet, because of stress, the lack of sleep, you know, you, you name it, that can be a huge contributor. Once we address these three things, and it doesn't have to be complicated, estrogen dominance, lymphatic stagnation, or moving the lymphatic system in the breast, whether manually or through some use of herbs, and reduce inflammation, just wonderful things start happening. And our, I like to call the breast sisters. <laughs> our sisters really respond to it. Yeah, beautiful. And we will link to some other podcasts, including your previous podcasts, but one with Dr. Sarah Gottfried on estrogen regulation, one on the lymphatic system, on inflammation. So we'll link to other podcasts that address these root causes, which you're speaking to, Magdalena. And it's so interesting that they manifest in this way that leads us down a different realm of panic and a different mindset than looking at those roots, actually, for most of us. 
So when we think about these fibrocystic breasts and we're working with them through that lens of considering estrogen regulation, considering the immune system and inflammation and then lymphatic flow, are there specific things that you have found can work particularly for breast health? Yeah, absolutely. We've done a lot of research on that and identified a few herbs that are wonderful, both topically as well as taken internally. So let me just start off with the internal one because, you know, internally we can do a lot of things to support the body metabolizing estrogen, right? So breaking it up into clean stream of a river and separating the dirty stream of the river away, and that happens mainly in the liver, then we can safely evacuate these dirty estrogens, if you will. So one of my favorite herbs to use that is Yerba Santa. It's not the most popular herb, but at the same time, it's common enough for, you know, to folks to, to get in like in the form of tincture, for example. The interesting thing about it is that it is an inhibitor of the CYP1B1 pathway in the liver. And what happens is that helps with metabolizing estrogen more towards the 2-hydroxyestrone and away from the 4-hydroxyestrone metabolites, right, the, which is the inflammatory, potentially carcinogenic. The other th- amazing thing about Yerba Santa, it, it contains a constituent called hesperidin. And what it is, is a compt inducer, right? So for some of us who were born with a slow compt, which is that enzyme, that's genetically, we're just slow compt metabolizers. That means you're just a slow estrogen metabolizer. I'm definitely one of them. I've inherited a slow compt from both sides of my family, which explains why <laughs> we have a lot of estrogen dominance and a lot of estrogenic cancers in both sides of my family, both my mom and dad's side. That's the beautiful thing about this herb, Yabrasenta, is that it upregulates, it induces the comp gene. You know, so if you are impaired, that's going to be a great support system. Another herb that we've chosen to work with and really focus and recommend that to women with fibrocystic breasts is endographis. Endographis is considered the queen of bitters in, you know, homeopathy. And... One of the things we loved about it is that it works on a different enzyme in the liver called the CYP1A1, but it also helps in a similar way in metabolizing estrogen and and skewing the balance towards the benign metabolites and away from the dangerous ones. The other thing about anagraphis is that it's a relaxant, it's a nervine. Because of its extreme bitter qualities, you just get this wonderful liver support, right? Because the liver loves bitter Interestingly, just as a side note, you know, I don't know how much is talked about this in the United States, but in Thailand, you know, endographis was actually used as a prevention and management of COVID symptoms. Yeah, I was going to say it's immune supportive too, especially for active COVID. Exactly. And it's a, it's a huge antiviral as well. So, I mean, when we say in herbalism, we don't like using the word antiviral because it doesn't kill the virus, but what it does is upregulates that part of your immune system that fights off the virus, right? So because it creates resistance. Yeah, so just a really wonderful herb. The other third one I just want to mention, you know, as an herbalist, I just wouldn't want to not mention that as red root. A lot of people know it as a liver decongestant, which, you know, as we age is pretty common for us to, (laughs) for the liver to have a little bit of TLC. Very normal to need that. But on top of that, red root is also a powerful yet very gentle lymphagogue. So it moves the lymphatic system, it stimulates the lymphatic system from the inside out. So those are, you know, some of the things that we can do. Or maybe just maybe one more thing. It's an oil, gamma linoleic acid. 
PLA, a lot of people know it as, you know, evening primrose oil for PMS, but it's actually, it's a lot more than that because GLA, which by the way, you can take internally, but you can also break a capsule and apply the oil on your breast and it creates incredible anti-inflammatory effect. And the way GLA works is that it's got, it basically supports the anti-inflammatory prostaglandins. So that's the reason why women get so much relief from that. So you can take it both internally as well as applying it externally. I personally prefer GLA that's sourced from borage oil just because it's got a higher concentration of GLA as compared to evening primrose oil. But either way, you know, either one of them would work. And I love, Magdalena, that you've done this research and that you've then put these ingredients together for us in your new supplement. And we'll talk about the topical and the cream, but it's so great to know that we can be supporting these fibrocystic breasts in natural ways. We can be looking overall at our estrogen dominance, at our inflammation, at moving our lymph, and then that these herbs can support all of those processes. And you put them together for us. Absolutely. And, you know, just to add on to this, like when folks supplement, we also highly recommend for breast health, magnesium, especially in a glycinate form or malate form, calcium deglucurate is just an amazing, I think a lot of time, a missed component with a lot of practitioners dealing with a patient with estrogen dominance. And it's like, they've given them dim and they've given them magnesium and and they just can't move it out. And calcium deglucurate it works on a different pathway. It's the glucuronation pathway in the liver, which is different than DIM, what DIM does. And that can make a profound difference. In fact, I have a friend who went to see 12 different naturopaths. Nobody could help her. She had such extremely tender breasts. She couldn't even put on a bra for two weeks out of a month. And she was a climber. So you can just imagine that. And it was just one supplement. that would, Within three days, all her pain was gone. So it can really make such a profound difference. And when we're thinking about what we do topically, in addition to putting things on the breast tissue, which I do want to talk about and that kind of transdermal effect of some of the ingredients that you've identified, how about touch? Does touch and movement get that lymph flowing? I'm touching my sisters right now as I'm talking to you. <laughs> yes. Um, in fact, you know, we, we're not doing video right now, but I can do like a quick walkthrough on how to do that. All right. So just, you know, as you're sitting comfortably, lift up your left arm and then put your hand behind your head and then find your nipple, right? And then with your right hand, what we want to do, just very gently, you want to be moving your breast towards the exit point. So the exit is going to be between your armpit and your collarbone. And this is really where you want to move the lymphatic system towards, because that's going to be how things are going to get evacuated out of the breast. So we're starting off from the nipple, and then you want to be gently massaging the breast out to our exit point. Then you move, let's say we started off from 12 o'clock, then you move on to 2 o'clock, so a little bit to the right. Same thing, just massaging your breast again towards the exit point. Then you move on to 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, et cetera, et cetera. You can do that just once. It takes about a couple of minutes to finish one breast. Finish, do that on the other side. You can do that by using... Some oils that we can mention just in a second, but honestly, it doesn't really matter. Like you said, movement alone with any oil, just as long as it's nice organic oil, nothing you know, nothing synthetic, no synthetic perfumes in it and stuff like that. Or if you're like just taking a shower and you have you know a couple of minutes to spare when you just nicely leather it up and you're nice and hot, actually heat helps a lot to open up the lymphatic system too. That's a really wonderful time to do the breast massage as well. And when we're looking at breast massage and the cream, 
this is good for breast health no matter what, even if I no longer have that breast tenderness. But getting the lymph moving and addressing some of this circulation in the breast is good for prevention of any cancerous occurrence in that area as well, right? Absolutely. It absolutely is. And some women, you know, will feel like the minute they stop massaging it, things come back. And so do that on a regular basis. I often get asked, like, what about doing rebounding? And all of that is great, but it works on the whole body, right? It's like, if you specifically have stagnation in your breast, rebounding probably alone would not work. But I have found that when we work with clients and just women who who use this method, they have found that to be extremely painful, especially women who have a tendency to be extremely swollen and very tender, you know, for a week or two weeks out of a month. So talk to us about some of the ingredients that are good for that topical stimulation. Yeah. So one of the classical herbs that we're using that, which is revered in Western herbalism by wise women traditions, is poke root. You know, as we are recording this, it's, we are already in fall. If you live in an area where there is poke weed growing somewhere around. It truly is a weed. That's why it's called pokeweed. You want to dig out the root right now. And then there are hundreds of videos probably on YouTube on how to infuse it into an oil. Pokeweed has got a incredible reputation for being a solution for nostalgia. It's given to women who have breast issues like after having a baby, having a lot of stagnation, when the milk is stuck in there, whether it's you know, because of PMS, whether you're going through perimenopause and it's just a lot more painful. So the word is nostalgia, a lot of pain. And so, you know, interestingly about pokeroid is if you go to do research on like PubMed and you enter pokeroid or the Latin name, you're not going to find very much. <laughs> I just want to make it clear. When I look at solutions, I look at science, but I also don't want to dismiss traditions because they do exist for a reason and they work right? And so we combine these two together. Just because there is no research doesn't mean the herb is useless. I mean, if you think about, you know, meditation 10, 20 years ago was kind of considered, you know, some activity for hippies. And now every research paper talks about the benefits of meditation, because now we can put a person in an MRI and see what's going on. So let's not dismiss it. So pokerit is a big, definitely heroin in what I would recommend for breasts. And if, you, if you're not into infusing it yourself, no problem, you know, just look online and there are people who actually make them at home and infuse pokeroid into nice, clean oil without any additives. And that's a great solution. Another one that made a huge difference, and I completely discovered that by accident, I was at a spa and had a particularly difficult PMS. And so when I found this cream and it contained a number of different, just kind of very usual suspects when it comes to dealing with PMS, like clary sage and lavender. But historically, they have never worked for me. But the one ingredient that it contained was St. John's wort. And I applied it on my tummy. And literally, Andrea, with that 20 minutes, that heaviness, that dull pain, I would say 60, 70% of the pain was gone. And so I have so much love and appreciation for St. John's wort. It is a huge anti-inflammatory. You know, we call it a sunshine herb. I mean, this is another weed. A lot of people are very fearful of St. John's wort, but that's if you take it internally. It can interfere with a, a long list of different uh, medications, which just reminds us how powerful herbs can be. But, you know, here we're using that topically. It's not going to interfere with anything. So if you can find beautiful St. John's wort infused oil, and by the way, the real fresh one, if you're getting one that was just made this summer, 
it will be red, bright red, like ruby color. It's just so delicious, so beautiful. When it gets old, it gets brown. So it's not to say that it's not as efficacious, but if you can score one that is red and fresh, it's going to be far more efficacious. A couple of other oils just to mention, you know, I, I already said GLA, gamma-linic acid. So if you have primrose oil or borage oil at home, just pop the capsule mix it up with a little bit more other oil so you can distribute around the breast. And that's going to really give you a lot of wonderful relief. And actually, there are studies showing GLA relief, pain relief when applied topically, not just checking internally. You know, the other oil that I think is worthwhile mentioning, in the Middle East, they call this oil, which is called Nigella sativa, also as, known as black seed oil. They call it, you know, the cure for everything but death. <laughs> and so we use it internally. It's hard to use it because it is so disgusting. I mean, it it's is. really hard. It's intense. Yeah. It's intense. And I don't know about you, but I always burp it whenever I try it. But externally, it can also create a lot of magic. And in the Middle East, it's also used as a huge anti-inflammatory painkiller for nostalgia and dysmenorrhea, so painful periods. The last thing I mentioned is the essential oil, not so much of an oil. So if you score it some, let's say, poke root oil, if you score it some St. John's wort infused oil, or you're using nigella to massage your breast, you know, then adding just a drop or two of ginger essential oil is a really great idea. And the reason why I say that is, you know how I said, go and massage your breast in the shower because that's when you're hot. So ginger inherently has a very warming property. And so we purposely did in our formulation, but it's, you know, you can just buy your own ginger oil, essential oil, add that to your oil and massage it because then you're just warming up the breast and lymphatic system and things are going to be just moving so much better. And Magdalena, I love, again, that you've done the work for us and that we can look at the internal solutions together, the resolutions for supporting fibrocystic breasts and also a cream that includes the oils that you've been talking about that we can get individually or that you've put together for us. Is there anything in your research in creating these formulations and your history with hormone balancing that we didn't talk about with fibrocystic breasts that you just wish practitioners knew because like you said with your friend, 10, 12 practitioners not addressing things that could make a difference. What are we getting all wrong? I think normalizing it, saying that is normal. You know, I think that's the biggest failure of just the medical space, but also even with functional practitioners, I see that a lot as well. It's like, hey, you know, who doesn't have a PMS, right? Who doesn't have, and it's not to say you, you wouldn't experience changes. I mean, it's very normal given the amount of changes that happens in a woman's body when you're still cycling. But even if you are going through perimenopause and menopause, you know, there is a level of hormonal changes and it's normal for your breast to change with it, but let's not normalize pain and swelling because that is kind of like, you know, the red light comes on and you're kind of like ignoring it, right? And so just listen to your breast. They are telling you a story. Yes. Beautiful, Magdalena. So good to connect with you. I can't wait to talk more about all sorts of things, but I'm so glad that we got to talk about fibrocystic breasts and congratulations on the work that you've been doing. And I am so excited for everyone to try your new products. Thank you so much. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. 
The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks go out to Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, Sandra Brower, Evan Hollingsworth, Heidi Kaufman-Lakowitz, and Rowan Bradley for their support making The 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your client's issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.